state legislature is back in session dealing with the coronavirus crisis. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And so we're here this week with uh, a whole lot going on in New York politics and government. Really um, an astounding amount happening right now, including, as I said at the top of the show, the state legislature getting back in session this week after almost two months uh, without holding any session, without uh, dealing with any bills, without dealing with any legislation, without dealing with any budgetary matters in Albany or in Albany and remotely, as it turned out, that they decided to figure out a way to reconvene and deal with some new legislation that they've been uh, debating and negotiating and packaging together between the state Senate and the state assembly over the last several weeks coming to fruition to some extent this week. So on today's show, we're going to dig into what the state government is trying to do in response to the coronavirus crisis, which on the public health side is abating a bit uh, in New York City and somewhat also around the state, of course, New York City being hit the hardest. But then also, of course, the social and economic impacts of the crisis that have really hit so many New Yorkers hard. We have over uh, it seems over a million people in New York City who've lost work and filed for unemployment, and the number is much larger, of course, across the state. Um, there are issues related to rent, mortgages, uh, as well as employment, uh, hunger, you name it, that people are dealing with, and of course, looking to government for some solutions. So today we'll be talking with two state senators who represent different parts of New York City. In just a few minutes, I'll be joined by State Senator Brian Benjamin, who represents parts of Upper Manhattan. And in the State Senate, he chairs the Revenue and Budget Committee. So, of course, especially relevant as both New York State and New York City are facing fiscal crises due to the coronavirus crisis and its fallout. So we'll be joined by State Senator Brian Benjamin in just a few minutes to talk about some of the legislation that he's been working on to address the crisis and, of course, other issues as well. And then later in the show, we'll be joined a return guest, State Senator Gustavo Rivera of the Bronx. And we'll talk with Senator Rivera much more on the health care side of things because he chairs the health committee of the state Senate. And so we'll be talking with him about what he's doing and his colleagues are doing in response on the health care side as well as oversight. You know, one of the most important functions, of course, of any legislative body is not just the lawmaking, but the oversight capacity. So we want to know from both Senators Benjamin and Rivera today what they're working on legislatively, but also what they're working on in terms of their oversight capacities. Senator Benjamin, much more on the fiscal and finance side, and Senator Rivera, more on the health care side. And just to preview a little bit more, what we'll be talking with Senator Rivera about is we want to ask him a bit more about the legislation that he co-sponsors called the New York Health Act. And this would institute a form of a single payer health care system in New York State. The push for the New York Health uh, Act had been gaining some momentum seemingly a couple of years ago before Democrats had full control of the state legislature then Democrats took control of, of both houses of the legislature, and it was not on the agenda. And we want to check in with him about where it stands, how he's thinking about the New York Health Act in light of the fact that so many New Yorkers are losing their health insurance because they've lost their employment, 
and if there's any appetite for it in Albany. Now, that's not to say one way or the other from my perspective, uh, you know, what I think of the legislation, but more asking Rivera uh, what the status of the law is, the bill rather, and whether he's seeing any new interest in it or because of the type of shakeup that it would have to do to the state budget and really just so many aspects of uh, state government and industry across the state, whether that's something that continues to just be on the back burner as people are dealing with much more immediate uh, concerns related to the healthcare crisis in our communities and hospitals right now, as well as things like food on the table and paying rent or getting some kind of rent relief. Senator Rivera, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, but don't you change the name of the show when it's just one of y'all? I just, you know. Yeah, well, I don't know that I can really just. Max and Max. I don't know. Yeah, right. Okay, I was going to say I don't know that I can just call it Max. Uh, Max and Max. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Max and Max. Uh, how you there holding you up? How you doing? I'm. You know, I've said this before. As an introvert, believe it or not, I am. The staying inside has not been, by myself, has not been the challenging part. The getting work done and being productive has been challenging because mm-hmm. my TV is right there. My bed is right over there. My <laughs> fridge is right over there. And I've never been a, a work-at-home guy. I've always been a work-at-the-office guy. I mean, that's obviously a small, tiny little challenge compared to what a lot of folks are dealing with. But, sure. you know, so I've been holding up well. My family's good. And uh, I am, you know, just... Reminding myself how lucky I am every day and working to help my constituency every single day as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing all right, uh, even if you are uh, struggling with the work <laughs> work from home uh, requirements that have been uh, foisted upon us. Um, yeah, I mean, if I can so, take a nap, I can, I can have a snack. My rum yeah. is calling me, all of these things. I was going to say, I... I I think this might already be the case with you, but my sense is that this has probably made you even more of a night owl. Uh, but you know, that's just that's just my. You're, you're not. You're not wrong. Yes, not no, wrong. I, I, you know, one one both of us, uh, like many many others uh, in in the political realm and media realm, are uh, are on Twitter at all hours, so it's easy to tell sometimes uh, the, the hours people are keeping. So um, indeed. Where where do we find you right now? We were, you know, I know some of your colleagues were in Albany, some uh, still mm-hmm. working remotely. Where are you right now? I, I chose to stay in the Bronx. There's a couple of things that I had to do down here, and the committee agenda that uh, that I had to move yesterday was was fairly tame. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I debated whether I would go up or not, and I ultimately decided to stay in the Bronx, but okay. participated in my. Did my yeah, committee yesterday participated in conference today and and uh, the sessions? Yeah, it's the, you guys adjusted the rules to make that uh, happen and and hopefully as smooth as possible. So, give me your highlights of the work that the legislature is doing this week. After uh, you know almost a couple months without moving bills after the budget was done, uh, you know you guys obviously we were just talking with your colleague Senator Benjamin, so we got some of his highlights. Um, we talked a little bit about. Uh, some of the pieces, but what are your what are your focus areas and your highlights? I think the most the most important part of this entire thing is that we are back to legislating. Uh, we demonstrated that we, this is something that we can do. We've gotten a commitment from both the speaker and certainly our leader, who has always said that we were going to come back to legislating. And I'm glad that we started today. She's also uh, communicated this is not the last time that we're coming back. Uh, so, the, so I think the most important part is the demonstration to the to the 
to, to the entire state that we can and mm-hmm. continue to legislate. Obviously, um, I've, I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I'm kind of disappointed that some of the things that I that I feel very strongly still need to be done haven't been done yet. But I will continue to advocate for it uh, to, to make sure that we can move more things to help my constituents. Okay, so let's uh, let's hear your specifics on that. Give me a couple examples of what what fits that bucket. Well, I think that one of the things that I've been very, very clear about is that I believe that we need to get more revenue. I believe that the governor, the governor has said we can't, quote unquote, tax our way out of this. But the what I have insisted and many of my colleagues agree is that we can make the hit be less if we actually take those folks, millionaires and billionaires who have not suffered and are not suffering as much as working class people or poor folks around the state. We need to make sure they pay their fair share. So I believe that we need to do that. Um, I believe that there's a there's a, a bunch of bills related to public health that I think need to happen. Uh, I've, I I think that this, that this demonstrates that the New York Health Act to guarantee universal access to health care is is even more clear that we need it. I mean, the reality is. Uh, you know, for those folks who would argue that it is complicated and is expensive, I would argue that it is neither as expensive or as complicated as the situation we find ourselves in right now. Uh, but there are some other things that we could do which are more immediate. Uh, we can protect New Yorkers from medical debt. There's a bill that I introduced uh, related to medical debt that I think needs to needs to pass. Uh, just one of my one of my staffers' sister. Uh, she is fairly young, healthy. She was positive for COVID-19. She actually was was intubated, uh, but she is now fully recovered. But they got a bill for $400,000. And wow. that's, that's a situation that I'm sure it gets to, more, to a lot of people. Uh, we also need to safeguard home care workers during COVID-19 uh, to make sure that they have personal protective equipment. So you know those are those are just some of the highlights of what I think we need to do, and I'm and I'm very glad to say we are going to definitely come back, as our leader has said. Oh, one last thing, mm-hmm. even though it'll take a couple of cycles, we need to pass the bill that was spot that is sponsored and by my colleague Alessandro Biaggi, and Prime sponsored by my colleague James Scoofus and myself related to Silver v. Pataki. We need to change the parameters of power of the governor around the budget. Uh, and that requires a constitutional amendment. It'll re- it'll be a couple of years, but it is absolutely necessary that we get that done this year uh, before next year, because then we pass it next year. Then it goes to the to the public. So quite a few things that I think mm-hmm. are on our agenda. All right. So you just named two things, the New York Health Act and altering the balance of oh, power. I named, I'm, oh, I named no, a no, no, bunch I, of things. But no, I know you did. I, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't finished with my sentence. You named two Sorry things that. that are major, major, uh, you know, pieces of legislation, it would be major changes. And there does not seem to be from where I'm sitting right now, even close to the appetite for those passing. So tell me the real, you know, prognosis or the real. I think Max, that you're, that you're talking to the wrong people. The reality Uh is that the individuals that I talk to on a daily basis in my constituency, the folks who are undocumented in my neighborhood, who were who are still afraid to go even get tested, even though they might be sick, the individuals around the state who are insured right now and yet have to fight with their insurance companies to be able to get covered. I mean, these folks to these folks, 
This is not mm-hmm. something they don't have the appetite for. They have the need for. And I believe, okay. listen, in this type of situation right now, and I know what you mean, by the way. We'll get to, your, to the political scheme of things, right? But in this moment right now, I do not believe that we have an opportunity to do these things. I believe that it underlines our obligation to propose bolder solutions. We cannot pussyfoot around this. We have so listen, to deal we, with we, the core issues that this shows. We had Dr. Mary Bassett, the former city health commissioner, who, of course, I'm Love sure her. you know, you know, brilliant about. woman. Brilliant we had her on a couple of weeks ago, and one of the, you know, one of the the key points that she, you know, felt compelled to make multiple times was that this crisis was clearly showing um, the problem with attaching health insurance to employment. And so, Amen. you know, as far as the, the sort of public argument as you're getting at around this crisis, um, you know, that point seems to be quite salient. I guess as a mm-hmm. elected official, getting back to, um, you know, the recognition I know you, you, you made around what I was getting at is not necessarily yep. the public desire, but the political will, given the reality here and what you're saying about it being an obligation, how do you, how do you do it? What, what's the, where is that discussion right now? Where, where give me, even in your idealized um, vision, Give me your timeline. Give me how this happens with, you know, the current political uh, landscape in front of you. You get everything done by building momentum. I would remind you that there are just in the last 10 or 15 years, if we talk, for example, about marriage equality, that is not something that happened overnight. And it is a basic civil right that everybody recognizes, but it took a long time to build the political momentum. I remind you that this governor said, for example, a couple of years ago that when de Blasio was running for mayor at some point and was saying that he wanted to have $13 an hour for a minimum wage, this governor said that was a laughing stock. That was not even a starting, you know, a starting number. And then he eventually fought for $15 an hour. I'll remind you, this same governor said a couple of years ago related to marijuana that it was something that was never going to happen. And now he's saying that he's absolutely going to get it done this year. It is about building momentum. And on something like this, we are in the middle of a public health crisis. In one, as you said, that demonstrates so clearly the things that are broken in our society. And the one idea that is one of the most blatant, as you said, Dr. Bassett pointed it out. The notion that you're going to have to tie whether you get health insurance, because we could have a whole conversation, because having insurance doesn't mean you're going to get taken care of. It just means you have insurance. But to have insurance is not only of whether you're employed, but of whether you are you have the right employment, because some insurance is better than others, and even a good insurance or a great insurance doesn't guarantee you get taken care of. These are things that you build momentum for, and I refuse to, to again, I refuse to pussyfoot around this because I talk with my constituency. I represent 318,000 folks, and in my capacity as chair of the health committee, I have to look out for every New Yorker. And the issues that I am seeing about lack of access to health care was what last year when we did the, the public hearings around the New York Health Act around the state. We didn't just talk to people in my urban community. We talked to folks in Long Island. We talked to folks upstate. We talked to folks all over all over the state, and it became clear that this is something that we need to push for. So is it something that's around the corner? I wish I could tell you yes. But I have, again, as I said, 
an obligation. You hear that right now? You hear that? Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Did you hear the ambulance right now? This I, is something I that, I mean, I hear a lot less of it right now, but in the last couple of weeks, that yeah. was incessant. And every time one of those goes by, it reminds me that I have to get right back to fighting because this is about what is not what is. We have to make it politically possible. And I'm going to continue to push to make sure that that's the case. The um, the other big, big uh, haul you, you mentioned was this idea of shifting with a constitutional amendment, shifting the balance of power in the budget process. Um, yep. For for listeners, you know, to really grasp this in a simple way, what what do you mm-hmm. what does that mean? What do you want? Well, the short version is that there was a a, a a decision, a court a court decision by the state court of appeals years ago, called Silver v. Pataki, referring to Shelley Silver, the speaker at the time of the assembly, and George Pataki, which established the powers of the governor to be such during the budget that our ability to really influence what is in the budget is exceedingly limited. And particularly with a governor like this one, who is such a narcissist and such a power-hungry person, and he's incredibly smart about it and understands governance. So in that environment, we need the legislature to have a more equal seat at the table. And ultimately, to do this, getting rid of changing the Constitution, because the Silver B. Pataki, what it did was interpret uh, a fight between the governor and the legislature uh, based on the current Constitution. Changing the Constitution is essential because we as a legislature need a stronger hand at the, at, the, at the negotiating table. We need to be able to determine more on behalf of our constituents how things actually occur in the state. And budgets are such an important part of what we do every year. If they determine the spending that we're going to do. They determine what our priorities are. Sure. What's the things that are that are important to us and what values we hold. And the reality is that we have not been able to every year. And you could talk to any legislator. Not many will tell you on the record because, you know, I'm one of the I don't know. You can call me silly or stupid or or, or, or suicidal who has just decided that I'm not going to pussyfoot around the governor either. And I'm going to be very clear. But you will talk to any legislator who has served for longer than a minute in New York State legislature, and they can't stand the fact that the governor has such a almost dictatorial authority during the budget process. We need to change that. I'm committed to doing that, and I'm going to work with my colleagues to make sure we do. Does your is that on your majority leader or deputy majority leader's radar in terms of it being a priority for this year? Well, it certainly is on the radar because I certainly open my mouth as much as mm-hmm. I can related to this issue and many others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but 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 I recognize that ultimately it has to be something that they and the speaker as well decide to do. As I said earlier, you build political momentum until something becomes you know not only impossible, not only possible, but you know, absolutely essential. But so given that, I will, given that, given that we're looking, you know, pretty soon at the end of this year's session, and this is the second year of the two-year session, this is not something that's happening. That's getting no, passed no, for the I, first actually, time. You're 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 slightly incorrect. You are correct that we are near the end of the first of the second year of of this session. Uh-huh. But the way that it works for your listeners is that it has to pass. In two consecutive legislative sessions, right. I will remind everyone, it does not require the governor's signature. Right. So he can be as, you know, he can hate it as much as he wants, but we can actually pass it, and then it does not require a signature. We would need to pass it this year before the end of this year. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting right. at. <laughs> to then get to the, to then get the next one. But right. the fact is, dude, 
that this is not a normal year, as you, you know, I don't have to tell you that. Sure. That means that this is not going to be the last back. time that we're up here. Yeah, I got no, you. we will. I got you. The, the leader has already said it. And the reality mm-hmm. is we have until we are we are at the call of the leader. So if she mm-hmm. wants to call us back next week. We'll come back next week. Some of us will stay in our homes in, in the Bronx or what have you, but we will still participate. Right. Um, some of us will go to, to Albany. But the point is, we will have legislative activity beyond today and tomorrow mm-hmm. and beyond June. OK. And, and certainly the, you know, the changing budget picture could uh, could provoke another one of those uh, get togethers to uh, to, de- to determine, uh, you know, what what path might need to uh, happen going forward. So I've got you just for uh, one or two more minutes here. Um, talk to me okay. about oversight of um What's going to happen with contact tracing? You know what's happening with the you know the sort of next steps in the public health battle that's currently happening. Um, we mm-hmm. talked about some big picture stuff, but what are you watching yeah. for and most concerned about on the on the contact tracing or other fronts here? A couple of quick things. First, yeah. for us to get back to any level of normalcy, we are going to require that that testing be expanded by a lot. Uh, and we are on that way, but we're not there yet. Uh, I have been on the record saying that I do not agree with the mayor's decision in the city of New York to take that responsibility away from the Department of Health and to give it to health and hospitals. Health and hospitals as a as a service provider, as a health care provider, is fantastic. I, I, I work with them all the time, but I do not believe that they are the best agency to take care of this. So I do know that some efforts there were a little bit stunted. Still, I do not want it to fail. I want it to succeed. So I have been working with the with the city to make sure that we expand that capacity, that we hire the right contact tracers. We passed the bill uh, today, which we moved, which I moved out of my committee yesterday related to cultural competence and language and linguistic competence for these contact tracers. Uh, so so we're moving we're moving forward. And look, again, we cannot go back to any level of normalcy unless we have broad based testing that that really, really deeply uh, identifies who are the people who are positive. Uh, so we're, I'm, I'm working with the city on that as well as the state to make sure that we expand that capacity. And uh, I am, I'm hopeful well, the, that we will be able to, to do it. And those uh, requirements on, on the contact tracing program is, is, are very interesting. It's going to be you know, important to watch, obviously, as the city uh, rolls out this program, uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of uh, crossing my fingers about how it's going to go because I think it's going to be a pretty big struggle in New York City. But we don't have time. We don't have time to get into that now. Um, State <laughs> Senator Gustavo Rivera, uh, we'll have you back to discuss some of that and much more. Thank you so much for the time. Happy to be in Max and be Max. Well. And All right, forward be to be well. in Max and Murphy. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thanks, sir. Okay, take care. Thanks very much for listening. And until next week, be well.